0: Welcome back to another episode of the Individuation Podcast. My name is James Malamis, and we've got a great episode for you. Today, we want to share with you what JAMP is. We have taken videos from our recent conference to help explain. In the first video, we have Dr. Al Samurai with Emily and Karen to help introduce the topic. In the second clip, we hear the experiences of people who have participated in JAMP. If you want to learn more about JAMP, you can go to our website, instituteforconflict.com. So without any further ado, Dr. Al Samurai, take it away.
1: So welcome everyone. Uh, we'd like to welcome you to uh, our first day of the Institute for Conflicts um, Conference. Um, Karen, title Hi. of conference. See trick question. <laughs> Karen came up with the title of conference. Now she's just laughing. Okay. So the title of conference is Conflict in the Narrative, Facing the Shadow. Thank you very much. That was one of our magic tricks for this evening. I just want to make sure our, okay. Okay. All right, Um, Emily. Uh, come closer a little bit i i want the people to see you because you are beautiful and you are brilliant okay so we are here today to talk about conflict and young in advance motor processing
2: okay.
1: jam huh I, didn't, I can't read your mind right now. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> I should have I said, read my mind now. You would have said JAMP. Prior to this. Yeah. That's OK. It's okay. <laughs> so uh, we would like to explain to you what JAMP is in the most um, understandable, I think, methodology possible without telling you uh, all the details. So what we're gonna to start to do is talk about what it does. So um, JAMP is what we're calling Jungian advanced motor processing. It's a technique that I discovered uh, in May and we have been training and Karen is one of my first trainees. Emily is one of my first trainees and they are practitioners now they are actually working with people supervising and we are collecting more and more data to um, um, stabilize our numbers to see the effectiveness of the treatment in the population Um, so far um, they've been incredible but you know uh, that's why we would like to do a longer term study and uh, have more participants. And most of the people who have been participating, um, we have not charged anybody for it to uh, understand the treatment. What we are doing is Young Advanced motor processing is basically, we, it's a technique. So when we think of uh, EMDR, EMDR is a technique. We are also using a technique. We also use the eye movement and the bilateral uh left right internal stimulation and that occurs with like a sound um that pops back and forth so what we are working on is connecting uh the right hemisphere and the left hemisphere and then what we're trying to do is work through uh traumatic events um pain in the body um emotional uh, constipation, I think some of people right. have called it, uh, and other things that are holding people back. So, for example, if somebody touches you, you freak out because they touched you where uh, an abuser did. So that's a trigger point. You know, your partner does not know that and is not going to know that you're screaming at him because of that that you feel like somebody's attacking you. So uh, with our treatment, we can take that away so you don't have a trigger point. So what we are doing with Jam is connecting you to the world in a more direct way where your emotional part and your analytical part are connected now. They're talking to each other back and forth without um, what's the term Emily um, what is your experience with jam so far Emily you've um, you've been a student with me for a while and we started early on you were one of the people who signed up early on what what has been your experience and understanding of methodology and um, how it's affected people maybe Yeah
2: um, I think. For me personally, JAMP has been very reflective in a way, um, and really just like able to help me process, like we were saying before, like emotions that were brought up, and I really didn't know why. Um, and it really just not like clarified things for me, but at least made me feel better with myself and. Like my thoughts about things um and put it into like a more positive space um in my life so
1: so you you, you felt more embodied totally after jam and so what we are trying to achieve i think karen if you want to talk about that a little bit um what your experiences are also but i think it's I think for us, it's the embodiment, right? Is, is that what we're trying to get mm-hmm. to? Is that the person- and- Go on, Karen.
3: Yeah, so for my personal experience as a receiver of the JAMP treatment, I've really felt less reactive. So things can happen to me and maybe previously I'd be on edge or I just be hypersensitive to the way people talk to me and the way people treat me and now I can sit with it and I can have more awareness towards it. And I think that is a result of being more integrated for sure which is Ooh. integration is part of yeah. what Jamp is successful with
1: and, and being able to feel yourself within your physical form staying within your physical form not disassociating absolutely and um disconnecting from your physical form Um, why is that important well it's important for many reasons because we are so anxiety-ridden when we are disconnected from our physical form our physical form is what uh, we like to call our animal self our animal self wants to eat wants to relax and when you are disconnected from it it starts to become hyper conscious that you are not there. And so it becomes twitchy. It's like, where are you? What are you doing? Why don't you come back to me? And so there's this this disconnection and uh, the work that we do in JAMP is to reintegrate these two parts to create that emotional connection with the analytical part of the brain to help Uh, the person realize, uh, wait a second, I'm, I'm okay. I I don't have to be out of my body to, I can be within myself. And I think that's a huge problem, right? In general, um, not just in terms of trauma, but just in terms of being, I mean, as a human being uh, growing up on this planet, we have Uh, had people hurt us, beat us, yell at us, scream at us, uh, um, do all kinds of things towards us. And because of those things, we have uh, evolved in a way to disassociate those events and pretend they don't exist. But the problem is they do exist. And where do they exist? They exist in our bodies as um, emotional pieces or fragments. It's almost like like a grenade has gone off and different pieces you're holding in either in your stomach or your back or your neck or your chest or your side wind. Then you're just like sitting there and it's like, oh yeah, this is an old injury. Injury from what? The injury is a traumatic one, right, uh, Karen? Um, So what we are trying to do is integrate the pieces that were torn apart because of the trauma, because the brain could not handle it. So the brain said, you take a piece of this, I'll take a piece of this, uh, throw one away, we'll figure it out later, let's just get through this. The problem is those pieces are forgotten about. Those are emotional pieces that are stuck in the body. So they become pressure points, they become pain points. They become um what we call uh triggers and those triggers are easily triggered by anything it could be your cat kind of like touched you the wrong way as it was walking by and now you're irritated and you don't know why you're irritated so you have to yell at somebody so you know um the person next to you is the closest person to you say "What, what the hell is wrong with you why are you acting this way and they go, why are you talking about, why are you talking to me this way? So what happens is it um, creates a lot of conflicts in our lives. And what our experiences with JAMP, I think, Karen, uh, tell us about your experience with JAMP.
3: Well, having, um, being a certified practitioner through the program that we have I've worked with a few people and something that you slightly mentioned, but I w- I think we should go into yeah. further is that there's pain. So your body, when your body's in survival mode and it just wants to survive whatever trauma it's dealing with, it may bury things as pain in the body. And so jam can help you, you know, you have the pain. Now we're going to deal with the pain. We're going to release that pain. We're going to allow you to integrate that pain. And so I, have you know, one, for example, one person I worked with, you know, they talked about their pain. We went deeper into why, why is this pain? And it led us down a journey that um, went, you know, back into their childhood and experience that they had in their childhood. And they were able to make these connections because of the Jamp treatment, because of the eye movement, because of the bilateral stimulation, we were able to go deeper and deeper and then release that and then they're able to move on. Pain went away. And
1: and also because of the affirmations that Jamp um, uses to basically inundate the mind with positive ideals of the self. And what we try to do is we say things that I am amazing, I am beautiful, I am love, I am hope, I am empathy. So all these things help us integrate those pieces. If you think of yourself as when you were a child and you were running around and everything was a wonder to you before anybody screamed or yelled or told you that you're doing the wrong thing or you look weird or they did something to you before then. There was this amazement in the world. That's what we're trying to reintegrate is that feeling of self that is the essence of who we are the essence is truly of wonder innocence and of consciousness of the world and how we experience consciousness in the world and that gives us the point is like when we talk about ah when we see something and we go ah mm. you know we forget about those simple things as we get older, we don't have the feelings, uh, we don't have the ability to be within our feeling state, to be calm enough to say, ah. You know, but, and this is part of the um, treatment is to transform people into thinking of themselves and taking away all the negative self-talk and all the negative internalized language and take that and replace it with positive and life affirming ways of seeing yourself as a beautiful person on this planet and that you have a purpose that you have possibility that there's hope, there's future, there's love, there's life all these things that we lose because of trauma, because trauma has um, slowly eaten away at our enjoyment of those daily activities. Because what happens is whatever starts out as a self-defense mechanism turns out to be a warden at a jail and you end up being jailed Mm. because it's trying to protect you but now It's trying to protect you from a mentality of a five-year-old that was hurt, and now you're 25, and it's making your life very, very complicated and completely, uh, what's the term for it, Emily? Irritating, not connected, right? Do you want to talk about some of your um, experiences with people who have gone through the treatment
2: yeah um and to kind of segue from what you were mentioning before just like in a world of very like sympathetic very fight or flight um that we're experiencing um this is truly a method that a lot of people like everybody has their own story everybody has something to bring to the table with this it's not You know, you can range from trauma to pain to anything and
1: Any type of psychosomatic or irritation, anxiety, depression. We work with.
2: Yeah. 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 And um, I mean, people that I have worked with, they um, like it ranges again like with psychosomatic pain. um, There's a lot of like self appreciation during um, the appointments that we have. So like, you know, if you are experiencing pain, please like place a hand over that area that you're experiencing. As part
1: of the treatment.
2: Yeah, like we want to support that area. We don't want to like take away the pain in a forceful way. We want to provide an infrastructure so you can basically build and build upon it to feel like you're sturdy like you have that support that purpose to be able to lean on if something does come across that would be considered your trigger um yeah we want
1: to create new patterns to deal with the world from the antiquated patterns that we have learned to um, defend ourselves in the world because we were hurt as either children or as young adults or even as older adults we all get hurt and traumatized in the world in different ways and what happens is the brain's uh, natural response to it is to disassociate it Mm -hmm. so and this is one of the things that we talk about is the disassociative aspect is a defense mechanism so say you know you um A friend of yours who you guys have been friends forever, and you know, you're really, and then uh, he or she makes a move on you, and it comes out of nowhere, you're not anticipating it, and it throws you off, and you're traumatized by it because it, it, you did not anticipate it, there was something wrong with this picture, how did this happen? Whatever, when that happens, your brain naturally does one of these things is like, oh no, it didn't happen. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. That's a double take. I uh, didn't see it, right? We didn't see it. So in general, that, uh, that's our response to the situation because this is an internalized defense mechanism. That the right hemisphere and the left hemisphere are actually split. The right develops before the left and the right is the emotional center. It actually is the forefather to the left and it tells the left how it's feeling. And then the left responds to what is happening in the right hemisphere. And so that, that movement, um, when the, the bridges are disconnected, mm-hmm. what we try to do in the treatments is reconnect the bridges between these two parts to help the emotional part, tell the analytical part, hey, by the way, um, we're doing okay. You don't have to freak out. You don't have to keep yelling that we're falling apart. We're not falling apart anymore.
2: Yeah. You I know? mean, like the response when you were a child was like we're saying, like a yeah. mechanism that was completely natural yeah. that needed to happen. I am overwhelmed. The person was going through. Yeah. yeah. So this is just a way
1: to calm that portion yeah so you're a child you're completely overwhelmed but that stays a part of you Mm -hmm. and then we need to integrate that how do we and that's what the treatment is for is the Mm -hmm. integration of what you're talking about Um, and it helps us um, move through the world it actually changes the way we see the world and the way we reflect on it We're actually uh, quite amazed by the results of it. And we are, um, all of us um, at the Institute for Conflict are um, working together to A, have a much deeper understanding of this um, treatment and a much richer thinking about um the future possibilities of it but for the meantime what we can tell you is very clear is that this treatment for trauma for um, anxiety for depression for anger for uh, disassociative type of emotional states has um, been proven very very effective and we are very proud of it and we are kind of uh, it blows us away every time because uh, the treatment teaches us something about psyche all the time it's always reflecting back self it shows it in different ways it comes in images Uh, our dream life um, becomes much richer Uh, we sleep much happier, we actually start to say the affirmations as we're walking by. Mm -hmm. Oh, I am amazing. Oh, I am so delightful. And before it was because you were making fun of yourself. But now, no, it's because you believe it. Mm -hmm. And you walk around, it's like, um, I think there was a Saturday Night Live skit with, uh, what's his name? He became senator later and he used to sit in front of a mirror and look at (laughs) himself, right? So those affirmations actually, with the treatment, become a reality for you. At first, they sound absurd. It's like, okay, why am I saying this? But because of the treatment and because of the affirmations, because they ring true to self, and I think that is the biggest thing that happens is that that they ring true to um, the genuine part of who we are. It takes us back to our childhood. It takes us back to creation itself, where everything was possible. And so, um, Karen, would you like to add anything?
3: Yeah, I just want to add that we. I think you did a really great job of introducing the affirmations as part of the treatment and a very important part of the treatment. And then I just want to add that selfishly, as someone who conducts this treatment with others, I definitely also benefit doubly by taking part in their treatment and doing the affirmations with them. I think it's a double bonus to be a (laughs) practitioner because I get that side of it as well and so if you are interested in learning more about jab um, from a tool that you could use to treat others we're definitely we're putting on another training and so you can contact us um and perhaps we can put you on the wait list because it is filling up really quickly so just definitely contact us if you're interested in learning the treatment
4: yeah uh,
1: yeah yeah thank you karen yeah that will be on november 5th and karen correct we um because of the tight schedule and because there's only so few of us that have been uh, training and it's not just myself there's a couple of trainers so we only have so many uh, so much time within us so that's why we're keeping the groups very compact but we hope that in uh, six months time after the the november 5th training we will train more but there is still uh some I think there's still some opportunity to get in on this training, uh, group. Uh, Emily, would you like to say anything to everybody? You, you are new to the Institute. Emily is kind of taking over a couple of things. She is in charge of the website. She is, um, is our media face she interacts with everyone she sets our agendas and she keeps us on time so um that's not easy by the way we're like a bunch of cats (laughs) that roam this planet so uh, so we appreciate emily uh, a great deal and we at the institute for conflict welcome all of you to our second annual conference. And we hope uh, that uh, in the future conferences we get to see you uh, face to face. But for now, um, we will keep going through what we call Zoom. So welcome, everybody. Welcome. And Mecca is going to go first because he can. And I'd like him to go first. So he's going to go first and tell us, uh, what are you going to tell us, Emeka?
5: All right. Hi, everyone. Um, So I was going to present, uh, I'm planning on presenting a case um, with the client I'm working with. And then I was also just going to give some feedback in regards to my personal experience regarding Jam. Um, So this client I've worked with, I'll just give you guys some context in regards to how she presents. Um, Very quiet, um, very um, flat affect for the most part. Um, Isn't very engaging, especially when in conversation, it's kind of just one-sided for the most part. Answers are very short. Um, you ask her how she's doing, she just go, hmm, I'm okay. Um, doesn't elaborate a lot. So did the first session with her. Um, it was a back-to-back session actually. Um, so did the first session with her, and then did a the second session with her. And during the second session, it was like night and day. She was completely different compared to the first session. She was very chatty in the second session. The first session, she wasn't chatty at all. It was like um, pulling, pulling teeth with her in, in order to get her to talk. But in the second session, I couldn't like. I I had to interject a few times to interrupt what she was saying because she just kept talking, um, which was really really nice. And then she texted me after the second session. Oh, uh, I th- yeah, it was yesterday. So couple of days after the second session, I'm just going to read out to you what she said. She said, um, hey, Micah, I wanted to give you and Dr. summary an update. After the sessions, I'm definitely more sensitive to the environment around me, if that makes sense. Internally, I'm very content and at peace, But it is also, but it also feels like I've lowered a shield I never knew I put up. So it's interesting to be more sensitive to things around me. It's definitely not overwhelming, but it is a new feeling experience. So she, it's just interesting because this is something new to her. She never was sensitive. She was very shut off, very dissociated from her environment, from her feelings. And so to see the vast improvement in just two sessions within two days blew my mind. I still, it's still like blew my mind when I think about it. I'm like, how in the world did this happen? And then with me personally, um, I've been doing, I did a, did a sessions with, um, with Karen and Dr. Samurai and I've been doing my own sessions, 20 minutes a day, Um, try to do religiously, um, as like a morning meditative practice. And I've noticed a lot of changes within my psyche within my re- responses, um, noticing a lot of my complexes um, was big, but then also noticing that I'm not as reactive as I used to be. Um, and that is really refreshing. I've also noticed that I feel more like a child. Uh, when I was a child, I was a very active child. Um, couldn't get me to shut up. I, was, I had a lot of energy and in this last week, I I'm just like an energizer bunny. It's crazy to me to actually feel this way. Cause I'm like, when was the last time I felt this way? It was like years ago. And I'm it's like the energy I don't I don't come down or come off of it. It's, it's I just stay high. And I'm like, I don't know, it's not happening. I, mean, I know I'm not on drugs or <laughs> I know it's not coffee. Um but it's wild. It's really wild. So I'm loving it. That's all I, I That's all I got. <laughs> you won't, thank I you, thank so. you,
1: Mecca. That was really good. So Emeka's Mecca's uh, experience with uh, the client, and my experience with the client, the client is like this. How are you doing? I'm okay. And the next day there was like a slight movement in the cheek. So what we did, so I tell everybody what we did. We uh, got her to talk about the situation that she was going through. Um, parents were very physically abusive and they kind of tried to pay her off by buying her things when she got angry with them. So, very manipulative. So she's learned to defend herself in this very, very uh, contained way where she's just disconnected. Just like, I'm here, but I'm not really here. So and so Her actually her face relaxed in the second session. We've been noticing that a lot. That the facial muscles that we hold our psychic like and then it like our cheeks kind of relax because we're not holding that angst in us anymore that we're always been holding on to um so thank you for that in mecca that was very nice of you to be chatty usually you're not um so uh Gigi would, uh, is also gonna grace us with a presentation um, about her experience, or some of her experiences. Go ahead, Gigi.
6: Sure, thank you. Um, Let's see, let me, I wrote down... my experience, so basically, I think most of you know that I've been working with Dr. all for a personal um, trauma um, for it's been like a month and a half or maybe two already um, we've had six six sessions of jump one the last one we had yesterday, so within the, the time that we've worked together, I certainly have noticed a lot of, you know, uh, changes and, um, a lot of realizations that I'll be happy to expand more maybe, uh, you know, in another time, but certainly, um, the most significant is a sense of more presence, uh, more, uh, ability to be aware of of my thought processes of my interactions with my family like for the first time in my life I was able to see the family dynamics that affect me with my closest family members and that was so um important to me to 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 notice right and to for me to to internalize and um and question the way I relate to my family members, but that's, that's one of the main things, um, less pain in my body, um, I've had chronic pain for one year related to the trauma, and, um, certainly my pain has lowered, I would say, significantly, um, yeah. And then many other things, but the, what I want to present today is a dream that I had. So between my fifth and sixth jam session, Dr. Al introduced uh dream interpretation and to us. And, um, I thought it was fascinating. And I never remember my dream. So I, it's something that I doesn't really happen for me. Um, Or if I remember, I disregard them or not really think of them as valuable information. So I wrote something about a dream that I had um, in between, yeah, right after kind of my fifth session when we were introduced about dreams. And then I have a follow up of what what Dr. All and I worked in session yesterday. Um, So I like to read Um, so after, can you all hear me well? Yes. Okay. Okay. So after discussing dream interpretation during jam training and understanding how dreams are compensatory for what we do not see in our conscious state, as well as mediums through which the self communicate to us, I decided to ask self to show me in my dreams that which I needed to see. I typically never remember my dreams, but I seem to make my petition with intention and openness. That night I had a dream that I was in a hospital. It looked like an old military hospital, perhaps from another time like World War I or II. I was walking through the hallways of the hospital and I was looking for room number 130. I was feeling very nervous because I was going to visit my ex-boyfriend from high school and his family was expected to be there. I was feeling very shy and inadequate, yet I also was feeling that I was gonna be okay. When I got to the room, my ex-boyfriend was laying down in the hospital bed and immediately I noticed he was split in half. Only his upper body was laying there. I also noticed that right behind him in another bed located in the same room was an old, bold man. He looked like he was wounded, uh, maybe naked, and covered in blood. And he was staring at me in a very weird and creepy way. I immediately felt tense and and scared. I turned my attention back to my ex-boyfriend, and I wanted to kiss him and hug him, but I did not. He seemed calm and smiley and asked me to please reach into the be- into the bed in front of him and hand him his legs. When I turned around, I saw his legs laying on the bed, but they were not his legs, but they were mine. In that moment, I woke up from the tree so i had this dream uh again after never really remembering my dreams having worked through jump five sessions in and asking self to manifest in my dreams so it was very powerful to me and the um i i was thinking for two weeks about the messages of the dream i talked to some friends about it and uh i t- i had a feeling like uh more consciously that i i, I definitely there's some disintegration that I needed to work through, so I I reached out to Dr. Al and asked him for another jam session. Um, So I wrote about uh, a bit about what we worked through, so the weeks after the dream I felt a conscious sense of disconnection and dissociation from my body, one that has been going on for years. I decided to bring up my dream to discuss with Dr. Al Samurai during my sixth JAMP session. And I, as I felt, there, as I felt I, there needed to be integration work through with my physical body. After sharing my dream, engaging in dream interpretation and working through some affirmations, Dr. Al asked me to revisit my dream and engage in active imagery during the meditation component of JAMP for integration and closure. He asked me to follow through the dream and fulfill my friend's favor to hand him his legs and help him to join the legs to his torso and bring the upper body and lower body together. Then he told me to ask my friend to stand behind me and assure him that I was strong enough to face the all evil creepy looking men in the room, to face my fear. So I did that and, uh, through the guided imagery at the last 30 minutes of jump session yesterday. And once my friend was in one piece standing behind me in, in the visualization, I came closer to the man in the room and asked him who you are and what do you want from me? The answer did not come right away. So I asked again, and once I did, the man revealed himself to me as the energy of my drunken grandfather. I felt tense and uncomfortable to have to experience that energy, but also realized that it was the energy that lived inside of of my body and my psyche for so many years. I thanked the entity for revealing himself to me, and I asked what he wanted from me. All of a sudden, the creepy old man Um, uh, turn into my grandfather's face, but a positive, benevolent image that I remember of him, who he was in essence when he was not drunk. He said to me, I want you to please forgive me and let me go. Please let me go out of your body. I am so sorry and you do not deserve this, not anymore. So so I manifested understanding of what he said with gratitude and I was able to look at him with compassion and without judgment. I agreed and told him, I am going to turn around and walk out of this room and when I do so, I will leave you and what happened behind. I will forgive you and let go. So... I turn around with my ex-boyfriend following me. He had my legs, and he was walking with the help of clutches. As we walked outside of the hospital room, we encounter a field of beautiful flowers, and we walk together through it as the hospital behind us disintegrated. So that's... Um, yeah, Doctor Al asked me to share this, and I felt also the willing to do so because uh, I feel that JAMP has been so <laughs> in a way that um, it has brought so much more consciousness to my process of healing, and has granted me the opportunity to see. That This integration that was happening in my body that I was oblivious to for so many years, and through the dream see that through a dream so we, which was really powerful, and then also, I wanted to acknowledge the the I think was brilliant uh, intervention <laughs> doctor all about um, integrating guided imagery in the and the meditation component of them, because we're still doing that bicranial, bilateral eye simulation. So we're working through the processing. So if we're able to use dream interpretation and then help clients with guided imagery to solve or resolve that uh, to, towards integration, towards closure. I think that was really powerful so it's something that we can certainly integrate into jam because I, again my own personal experience was really beautiful and powerful so.
1: thank you gg that was fantastic um i wanted to give some insights on gg's um dream uh, i think we he and her talked about it but one of them is the number one three zero Gigi is looking for the number four. She actually uh, found the interpretation for it. She looked up numerology and she added the one and the three together and the four represents self. And so she goes into the room of the self and uh, there are four of them. There's somebody who's bloodied and creepy and scary and angry. There's somebody who's cut in half and then Gigi's, you know, um, the dream ego walks in and she's looking around and she has to make whole what has been cut in half. She has to put it back together It's that disconnection between mind and body. Um, The dream was saying to her, uh, you're okay, when she walked out into the garden with the flowers, there were flowers everywhere. These are symbolic of the self. The self comes in different ways and it shows itself in different ways. And when she faced her shadow, she we always do this in the dream. Since everybody shared, I will share my dream. But this always happens in the dream. Um, the element of the shadow has to be spoken to. If you're afraid of it and run away from it, it will keep chasing you. So, Thank you, Gigi. I also had a, a a dream where I am protecting four. There's four of them and I'm trying to protect them and we get into this maze. And I'm trying to like run them through the maze so we could like get out of the maze and um, they kept getting injured. And each time I was like, something was chasing us. I don't know what it was. So they kept getting injured and I would lose two or three. <clears throat> so I looked back and I knew the answer in my head was to face this thing that was chasing us. But I didn't feel like facing it. I got pissed off. I said, no, we could have to run it. So I ended up revisiting, like recreating a different maze, trying to mm-hmm. beat it. Theresa, your mic is on. So... Um, I would go into the labyrinth and um, two of the four would get hit or three of the four would get hit. And I can't seem to get out of labyrinth with all four. And But knowing that I need to face this thing that's chasing us and not wanting to face it, wanting to beat it which was interesting Uh, because you can't beat your shadow. You are your shadow. So um, that was the dream I've been having. It has, it's not resolved. It kept coming back every time I went back into bed. It's unresolved. It wants to be resolved. But these are dreams about the self. When the numbers come. They're telling you, this is a dream about the self. The labyrinth is the, is the unconscious, is deep within the unconscious. And the self is, is represented by four, four female figures that I have to save. So um, When we walk into the unconscious and we see the labyrinth, the labyrinth shows us what, it's a labyrinth. What are labyrinths? Labyrinths are places where it's a puzzle. You have to resolve the puzzle. So I want to resolve the puzzle, but I don't want to face the danger in the dream. I want to resolve the puzzle without, without dealing with the issue of the danger and I was, unlike Gigi who resolved it, I have not resolved it yet. So I'm very proud of Gigi because she was able to go through active imagination and use it in the session to go revisit the dream. Remember you are in a, um, you're in a very calm state your mind is very suggestible at that point you could take yourself where you need to go the ego will not interfere so if you close your eyes and you know you start to think of where you want to be you will go there so we do this with people who um who have some experience we could teach it as a methodology um but people who have meditated before and kind of understand it active imagination is a Jungian term for you basically imagine you close your eyes and whatever pops up you just deal with it you work with it whatever image comes up you talk to it and say why are you here what do you want why do you want me what do you want from me and so you ask it questions. You're basically asking the self questions about who you are and what you are. So, um, all right. So that's where we are. Anybody have any questions?
4: I just wanted to share real quick.
1: Yes, Jack.
4: Um, that reminds me of a dream I had a couple weeks ago where I had been thinking about that like asking the characters in the dream what they want Mm. and I had a dream where I was at my parents house and I realized that it was a dream and I'm like okay this is a dream I need to go find somebody and ask them what they want Mm. and I found my dad and he was laying in his bed which is where he always spent a lot of time and so I walked up to him and I was like dad what what was the problem why couldn't you love me and he just broke down crying and was like nobody loved me and then I woke up so yeah that was very powerful and it was really cool to just be able to be aware of that in the dream of wanting to ask people and you know getting a very direct response from my dad in that way
1: That's the complex. So father in this case, Jacqueline is complex. He shows up that complex. You ask it a question. You ask the complex a question. Why am Mm -hmm. I not loved? Why do you not love me? And The complex says because I wasn't loved. The complex is referring to you. Mm. You see the complex sits on top of the archetype. The archetype is symbol of father in bed. That's the personal complex. That's your personal complex. That's where the complex, that's the complex you're dealing with. That's the complex that you have to resolve. In Gigi's dream, Gigi has to resolve the complex of the grandfather. That's the complex. The complex is there. It's saying, I am here. You're asking it, why are you here? What are you doing here? Haven't I had enough of you? Mm -hmm. In Gigi's dream, the complex says, you need to let go of me. You need to let me go. In your dream, you're saying, why wasn't I loved? You're asking a question about why you weren't um, wanted for who you were or treated the way you should have been treated by this person. So the complex says, because you weren't loved, that's where the pain comes from. The complex is telling you the pain comes from because you feel unloved. And so the more the dreams show up because we have Right, left, right, left connection. So what we're thinking is, so the right hemisphere and the left hemisphere of the brain, one is the analytical part and the other is the emotional center. They both process information in different ways. But you only, you see, actually the brain sees two different competing images. The right side sees the world as whole. So it sees something in its wholeness. The left side sees it in pieces, it breaks it down. It's more analytical. It says, okay, what is this made out of? Okay, so when we are traumatized, the right side of the brain is what is, is damaged. The right side is the, before the left side develops, the right side is there. The right side is actually the mechanism that moves the left side through the world. So the more the mechanism is traumatized, the less the, the, cor- the cortex, the left hemisphere doesn't move. It moves based on the images, the right side is given it, the emotional images. That's why you keep hitting a wall because the broken pieces of the trauma are sitting behind you. And they're pushing you but you don't see them so think of the trauma as a mirror that's been broken into many different pieces what the mirror shows to the left hemisphere is pieces so the left hemisphere uses pieces it does not understand Whole. It wants everything broken down. It wants to tell you what it's made out of. So, what happens is is that you see a piece of you as a beaten child in the trauma. So, the left hemisphere defines it for you and says, You're a beaten child. You're abused. That's all you are. Let's move on. So, the left hemisphere breaks it down to a non-emotional part but it's working off the emotions of the right hemisphere it doesn't know it it's like you're staring outside a window and you can't see yourself and you're saying oh i see a tree no Your the right side of your brain sees the world. The left side tells you it's a tree. But the tree is something completely different to the left and the right. They both interpret the world, by the way. So the left sees the world in a certain way and the right sees the world in a certain way. And what Jamp does is it moves them together. It recreates the connections. What happens to the connections, the connections Actually, the trauma hurts the connections. It damages the right hemisphere. When you are traumatized, the right hemisphere is damaged. That damage creates this kind of disconnect between left and right. So your overwhelming feelings of um, being unwanted and uncared for and the left part going, what you expect, you know, you had shitty parents and it doesn't, it doesn't understand. It can't be empathic to this part. This part needs empathy. So there's no connection here. It's like one thing is pushing this and the other thing is pushing this back. So it actually, the left hemisphere smacks you back and tells you, <clears throat> you're a victim. Move on. So it actually terrorizes you because it is not an emotional center. So you end up persecuting yourself with the left hemisphere, with the analytical brain. Now remember when trauma begins and especially early childhood trauma, the left hemisphere hasn't developed fully yet. It's still figuring out shit, it's still forming. But the right is there. So, the right is taking the trauma. So, with that, I don't know if people know Alan Shore. He's a neurologist of some sort and a psychological neurologist. <clears throat> and he talks about. In his view, the ideology of trauma is directly attributed to failed relational events in which the total dependent infant relying on emotional resonance with the mother for the interactive modulation and regulation of its negative affective states. So the worst thing is happening is that I feel bad within my body, but nobody's picking me up to calm me down. So that hyperarousal. Is going to completely overwhelm me. And thus, my feeling state is not under control. I can't calm myself down. I can't, I can't say, oh, you know, mommy used to do this for me and I could calm myself down. You'll notice adults doing stuff to calm themselves down. And they're not even conscious of it. Because mommy used to like tap me on the chest. To calm me down that's how I calm myself down without thinking now right so when you can't calm yourself down your affective state is basically um, a fire that you can't control and I use metaphor of fire because there's so much fire going on but it's basically you can't control it so your affective state is is terrorizing you. Your affective state is one minute you're feeling completely depressed and withdrawn. The next minute, you're feeling up and great. The next minute. What Emeka was talking about was that when the mind is connected, there is always it's a clear high. You don't Your head is clear, so it feels like a high, but it's not. But your head is clear. That's what you're noticing. You're noticing that your head, there's not so many voices in it. They're not arguing. They're not telling you, they're not questioning you. They're not questioning your behavior. They're not um, telling you how you look or how you don't look or how you're standing or why you're standing there because these are all pieces of the trauma. Don't stand that way. You'll attract attention to yourself. Don't look at that person. You shouldn't be looking at that person. Who are you to look? So all these things, is like these negative voices within us start to question us. And basically what they do is they re-traumatize us. So we're actively expanding the traumatic state without knowing it. Without being conscious that we are expanding our traumatic state, the more we try to isolate it, the more it expands. You can't isolate it. It's a piece of you or many pieces of you. Once it's a single piece, then you could put that in. So he says um, is left in fearful hyper arousal leading to states of disassociation that turn impact the developing right hemisphere. So what happens is when you are in complete hyperarousal and you cannot calm down, you cannot calm down, and mommy's not coming, you split. That's the defense of the brain. Remember, the brain uses disassociation because the brain is two. It's not one. There's two sides. So as soon as it splits, it goes into the emotional center. The emotional center is damaged. The more trauma occurs to the emotional center, the more damaged the right brain is. And we know this from MRIs that kids who have suffered severe trauma have brain damage. We know this. But what we didn't know was that, um, I'll get to that. So he says, the intense state of hyperarousal and fear that results from traumatic attachment experiences have a detrimental impact on the developing right brain during the critical period of its growth. And the result is lasting impairment in the limbic autonomic circuits involving in regulating emotional states. What does it mean to regulate an emotional state? Is to be calm. Just to be here, just to sit, not to be triggered, not to lose your shit, not to want to kill somebody. Just to be here. That's basically what that that's basically means. That I am and my affect are one. Unlike our our uh, patient that me and Mecca saw. She is not one. She is completely disassociated from self out of fear. So he goes on to say, thus early attachment experiences between infant and caregiver shape the actual development of the brain especially the right hemisphere, which is dominant and online for the first 18 months of life. So the first 18 months of life, the right hemisphere is dominant and online, meaning it is the one that's functioning. The right hemisphere is also more directly connected to the primitive emotional centers in the brainstem, which we've talked about before in the limbic system as well as to the autonomic system, which regulates states of hyper or hyper arousal. So there's a difference between hyper and hyper arousal, right? Hyper means you're you're quite anxious. Hyper arousal means that you're going nuts. Literally, that's what the body's going through. It It cannot make sense out of what the fuck is going on in the world. It's just losing it. That's hyperarousal. That's when the baby is like crying, 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 and nobody's picking up the baby. The hyperarousal, the baby goes into a dissociative. Sp- they will cry until they stop crying. And they won't be there. And what that is, is basically they dissociate from the body because they don't understand that their body is what their body is. You know, you're 18 months. Within those 18 months, you're experiencing your body in different ways. You don't know it. You can't control it. You're just learning about it. You need help with it. Because the right hemisphere is so richly connected to the brain stem, hence to the body as well as to the unconscious, it is the right hemisphere that connects the growing child to emotionally salient experiences and serves as the glue holding together the implicit self system, the biological substrate of the human unconscious. This is according to Shore, 2011. Without the glue provided by the integrative function of the right hemisphere, a coherent sense of oneself dissolves. Anti homeless defenses take over. These either resist integration or actively dismember an earlier integration that can no longer be tolerated. While Shore tends to look at the affects of trauma and the dissociation that follows it in the early forming right hemisphere, including the high, higher orbital frontal cortex, early trauma has clear bilateral implications. In my own experience, corroborated by the work of others such as Brenzi and Winnicott and Corrigan and Gordon, many latency age children with a history of early trauma have been uh, catapulted out of their emotional and embodied selves into a uh, precautious reliance upon higher rational mental functions, left hemisphere, where they can control or deny the full impact of their traumatic experience or give it alternative interpretations. Oh, it didn't really happen that way. I'm making a big deal out of it. It happened so long ago. And these type of dismissive interpretations or alternative interpretations hurt the self because you're denying your own pain. You're denying that something actually happened to you. Shor's finding give partial support to this hypothesis, although disassociation is triggered by subcortical Mechanisms, it is regulated by a higher cortical limbic center. Pathological dissociation is the product of an inefficient frontal limbic system that cannot regulate the onset and offset of dissociative responses. Rather, for long periods, disinhibited lower subcortical centers, especially the right amygdala, drive the dissociated process. Okay. So what is going on is that the more these pieces, so think of it this way. So we we have two sides and one side has been, um, a grenade has gone off inside one side. And the other side is like trying to make sense of what happened to my other side. Um, So I give it interpretations of what happened. Well, you know, I don't know. My mom was always late. I was never home. Um, I went to the neighbors. It it tries to make sense out of what does not make sense for the child. How can a little child be abused that way? How can they be hit? How could they be violated? How can they be molested? How, can, how, how, how? So the child's mind is trying to make up answers for that. So the left is making up crazy type of interpretations trying to calm the right down. The right doesn't calm down. The right feels like it's being insulted. Because it is. Because to rationalize what happened to you is to insult self. It's a defense mechanism, but still, when the trauma is active, it's an insult to the trauma. It's like pouring salt in a fresh wound It's an insult to the trauma. And it's always like pouring salt in a fresh wound because it's a fresh wound. The trauma is a fresh wound. It does not heal by itself. Does not heal with time. It grows old with time, but it does not heal. So it has to be treated and Part of the reason I am reading this to you is this particular paragraph. Thus, in terms of the self-care system, the tyrannical inner voices that articulate the negative accusations. It was your fault. Why were you there? Why didn't you protect yourself? Accusations from within and the internalized objects that carry these voices might appear to be negatively balanced left hemispheric inner objects by tyrannizing the inner world with shaming interpretations. Okay. Shaming interpretations, what are those? Negative body uh, imagery negative ways that I talk to myself, telling myself I'm no good, I can't do anything, I'm never going to be able to do anything, I'm never going to be able to achieve, I'm a failure. I, uh all these voices. That's a tyranny. So basically you're being slapped around from the moment you get up in the morning till the moment you fall asleep and you start again. And that's what's like having a trauma It's being constantly bombarded by your own inner demons. And they're pulling you apart. And they're telling you how weird or ugly or undesirable or broken you are. And that's what you're dealing with. So what happens is preventing correction by more benign experiences. Anyone who has tried to help trauma survivors by offering positive reassuring interpretations will have come face to face with this frustrating reality. They will tell you it's not that easy. This is who I am. It could also be that the negative interjects of the self-care system, he calls it the self-care system, represents higher right hemispheric inner objects whose primitive archetypal energies and affects tyrannize the trauma survivor, While perhaps personified and universalized and mentalized by the left hemisphere, they may get their marching orders, so to speak, from implicit procedural memories encoding in higher orbital frontal right hemispheric ingrams. This might account for the demonic nature of the inner objects that either haunt or ha- hollow the inner world of the ser- self-care system. The self-care system to him is the, uh, the way the internal psyche deals with trauma, um, like disassociation. That's a part of the self-care system. The dissociative state is part of the self-care system. I have to defend myself. I, I need to defend me. <clears throat> This might account for the demonic nature of the inner objects that either haunt or hollow the inner world of the self-care system, as I have conceived it. In any case, the mechanism of dissociation is likely to make use of the brain bilateral divisions. Indirect support for this idea comes from Francine Shapiro and EMDR. Therapy that often provides effective treatment for PTSD patients by stimulating both hemispheres, eye movement, tones, or tapping during the recovery of the disassociated material. Alan Shore's research is important not just for the illogical understanding it brings, but because it underscores the importance of the right brain to right brain, communication between therapist and patient, In the undoing of those anti-wholeness defenses that we are exploring in this chapter. So what he's saying is that. Um, There is two defenses, one is of wholeness and the other is of anti-wholeness, okay? They're bipolar. One is to create disintegration and one is to recreate integration. And they swing back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, like the brain Right, left, right, left, right, left. So what happens is with JAMP, unlike EMDR, because EMDR focuses on the first, just the experience of it and take a photo of it and then get rid of it. What happens with the young advanced motor processing or what we're calling JAMP is what happens is this, this thing that keeps going back and forth is rewiring the connection between left and right hemisphere. And because of this rewiring of the connection, the more you do it or the longer you do it, the stronger the connection, the better you feel. Because you're healing damage that occurred to the right hemisphere during the trauma. You're recreating a communication panel. You're basically recreating all the connections between left and right. Because why? Because we know the brain heals. And because of this beat the brain is healing faster and faster and faster. So what what me and and Emeka did during um, our, um, well, what he did during, when I was supervising him with our client was we kept moving the speed as she talked. Now, you don't do that with every client because that's a lot. We're, we're hitting them very hard. But for her, because she was so disassociated, I kept thinking about, let's move the ball faster. I want, to, I want to create this connection, right? Because she's so disassociated. She's so not in her skin. She's not in her body. It's like dealing with a physical being without psyche. So we're trying to get Psyche back. We're trying to get this communication back. So I think, if I'm correct, I think we ended up at like 65 or something really high at the end of the, um, I don't know, Mecca, you could correct me. You were the one who was in charge of that. but was 75. Oh, 75, okay. So we kind of, we, we pushed it we pushed it really hard. And we pushed it really hard because of how disassociated she is. So your intuition should tell you what what is your client going through. Some people are not as disassociated as others. Right? But the speed of it always helps the disassociative aspect because what happens is the right brain is going with an idea the left brain is picking it up, trying to figure it out, and then uh, slowing down. And then that connection between those two falls. And basically, it's like a drop call. Or like when me and Karen talk on FaceTime, we always like, lose each other somewhere. So there's always a drop call. So that, it strengthens that connection. It gives you a different. Um, It gives you a different connection. And now, and I was talking to Gigi earlier about um, plant medicine, and basically we were talking about how they're using uh, mushrooms and other things, ketamine and other things, to basically repair the left-right connection. That's what we're doing also. We are literally repairing the left-right connection. And at one point, our client said, her third eye opened up during the meditation. And that there were uh, Kundalini points that opened up also during the jam session. So now, if you think about it, now the these things that stayed like right next to each other and not kind of touching, they're kind of like this. Now they could see each other, they could touch each other, they could hear each other. And suddenly, all those things that made you many, make you one. Because basically, we were many, now we're one. We were many. We were many pieces of trauma, We're many pieces of self, we're many pieces of others, we're many internalized pieces, we're many things, but we don't know who we are. So all those many come into one, suddenly I am one. All those voices are all mine now. They're not other people's, they're not talking in my head. They're not making me miserable at night, not letting me sleep and scaring the shit out of me. They're mine. You could say to yourself, "Oh shit, are you going to spend the?" I sleep better now than I've ever slept before. I have to tell you, I don't know why. I've always slept well. It's not that like I had a problem with sleep, but I sleep now. When I wake up in the morning, I have slept. I have physically slept. I could feel it. I could feel my my thinking process clear. So that's what we're doing. We're reconnecting left and right through the rapid eye movement and the intracranial stimulation. And we do it for 90 minutes because the connection was lost long ago. And we are trying to reconnect it. The connection had been lost. And that's what we were using with Jamp, And that's why Emeka and I and others have said, it's incredible, something amazing happened. The amazing thing is that it can bring these two pieces together. And the longer these pieces are in touch with each other, the more healing takes place. That's why when he does 20 minutes a day religiously, He feels high because that's like complete communication. Your head's clear. You don't have pieces of you yelling at other pieces of you. Why did you wear that shirt? Look at you. You look weird now. Go fix it. Do I look okay? Am I okay? You ask yourself these questions. These are not your questions. These are questions from the trauma, from the pieces of the trauma. They keep whispering in your ear. Remember what happened? Go away. I
6: have a clarifying question, Dr. Off. From last week, I, I listened to the recordings and the training and you mentioned that you recommended for clients to follow up jam sessions with meditation, like in between. So when you're talking about meditation, you're talking about meditation with the ball and the and the sound, like the.
1: Well, board. they they might not have access to ball sound. Sometimes there are available on YouTube, and you could watch it. Like there's an EMDR ball that you could watch yeah. on YouTube. Yeah, yeah. Sure. yeah. yeah.
6: So, yeah, I just wanted to clarify which meditation you're referring to, because I've I practiced that with on YouTube, you can find the ball yeah. in uh, like a 15, 20 minute, but is that the one you're referring to or just a regular meditation?
1: Well, you could use the ball, you could use a metronome, you could use the clicking sound, you could use uh, frequencies, there's different ways to meditate with those sounds, but what what I am, I am thinking for our patients, our patients, is that 20 minutes each day, in front of the ball and the sound, put headphones on and watch it. Because basically what we're trying to do is help you integrate all the other things because your brain continues to integrate, by the way. That's what happened with our uh, client that we saw with Emeka. Your brain continues to communicate with it. Like the first day, we did the uh, treatment, we pushed it. The second day, we kept pushing it. Kept pushing the speed, not the treatment. And the speed actually helped her. She's, I mean, the split is so, it's like a vertical split, it's like there is, there's no communication at all. So that's why we we pushed the connection. And we saw the connection as being really, really important. And we could see that in the second day, her face started to change. She started to, she can shut up. She could not stop talking. And what that means is, it's not like, it's like, Uh, so what you know she likes to talk no this person her replies are
4: "Mm, okay
1: those are her replies i have tried to engage her with conversation i've said ton of stuff just to get her to talk so So that went to second day And then um, the procedure started to change because she's talking more now, right? So when they don't talk, you're in charge of the procedure. When they start talking, you're going to have to be intuitive towards their need to finish what they're talking about. It's not necessarily important, but let them finish it. But then as soon as they finish, don't wait for them to take another breath and keep going. Start an affirmation. If they're telling you that they're afraid and they're always afraid, start an affirmation at that point. Always take an affirmation and start it with them. Start, I am not afraid. I am fearless. I am brave. I am strong. Do it. We do it four times because... It clicks. It's a beat. One, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. We do it over and over and over again. Say it with feeling. Most of our clients are disassociated. You have to say it with feeling. We've tried to say, okay, now you say it four times. It's not effective as much. Say it with feeling, interact with your client. Be more interactive with your client. Always remember to remind them that they're calm, that their bodies are okay, that their heartbeats are okay, that they could put their hand on their heartbeat and listen to their heartbeat. Tell them they're doing great because they are, they're, they're, they're safe, but you have to repeat that. This is for, this is for the analytical part of the brain. You're gonna be okay, everything's okay. Nothing's happening, you're just talking about it. You're safe in your body Let's do some affirmations. The affirmations always feel good. Why? Because you're saying something positive over and over again as you are being stimulated internally. Have you ever gone crazy on a really nice tune and just danced and danced and danced? That's jam. You're just not... You're just not physically moving, but your brain is your brain is running a marathon. And depending on how much of the trauma, how much the trauma has affected you, the more jam sessions you need. Some people need less, some people need more, but they don't hurt. So that's why we always say at least four, but if you need more, do more. Why not? You're not gonna hurt them. It helps a lot. Sometimes people need to just believe that, you know, sometimes their mind is like, what if it doesn't take, what if it, what if I go and then I go back to the way I was? Those are part of the voices of doubt. That's why you need to give them another session. <laughs> they're telling you they need another session. That's what they're telling you. They're not telling you that um, they're not telling you that they're done, basically. When they say, what if it comes back? That means I need another session. Say, "Okay, let's do another session. So I had people, I mean, my clients who I've been seeing for a while, one of them that I presented her case, um, they keep coming back. I think there's somewhere in their heads that they're afraid that it's going to go away. But they show no symptoms. I mean we went from we went from a case where she was she is physically distraught there's no physical there's no physical issues with her now.
0: That's incredible. Thank you for tuning into this episode of the Individuation podcast. We hope you enjoyed hearing about Jamp and how people feel about it who have experienced it. Tune in again next time to the Individuation Podcast for another episode soon.
6: We at the Institute of Conflict greatly appreciate all of you listeners. Please share the podcast with your friends and spread the word. If you would like to help expand our community, like us on Facebook and Instagram and give us a five-star review on iTunes. I'm Sonia Mahmood and you've just listened to the Institute of Conflict Individuation Podcast. We'll be back soon.